here we are. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. I'm Jeff. And this is Fried Squirms 87. You might have just heard a new voice that hasn't been on here before. Hefe, who's that? <laughs> you know, normally I take all the introductions. Danny, how about you take this one? Okay. I think that one makes a little bit more sense. <laughs> Given my relation to Jeff. So, in the past, on several episodes, I've mentioned my brother-in-law, which is who we have on today. And we decided that we wanted to have a second victim as a part of our Testral Fright segment. So we figured Jeff would be a good candidate. So I think probably an appropriate thing to do maybe is just kind of give everybody a formal introduction. So if you want to like maybe just give the audience an idea of maybe some of like the earliest films that got you into horror and maybe like a favorite of yours, one or two of them. Yeah, definitely. So my first memory of watching a horror film was like a little kid, Nightmare on Elm Street, of course. And my parents were like, yeah, you can watch it, but if you have nightmares, that's your own damn fault. (laughs) So I remember like sitting in the corner of the couch every time they'd show Freddy covering my face, peeking at the screen through the cracks in my fingers. You know, after that, it was like the original It movie or miniseries, whatever, over at a buddy's house for a sleepover, probably like six or seven years old. And then after that, I got into high school. A buddy of mine, him and I got into like going down to the local movie rental place. We'd pick up some VHS, stuff like The Brood. Nice. The Brood was a good one. That's how I found out about The Exorcist. Watched that one a whole bunch. That was one of my original favorites, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Older movies, I guess. Yeah. And then came House of a Thousand Corpses. And hands down, that's my favorite horror movie. Yes. Among (laughs) my top favorite all movies. Nice. I think it's both brutal and also fucking hilarious. Otis is, I think, my favorite movie character of all time. Nice, dude. Yeah, we're big fans. Yeah. I think that's the top for me. That's my favorite Nice. So you're no stranger to me coming over on the weekends and introducing you some horror films. Right. Now, you're no stranger to this director, although you haven't seen this film, but I have shown you Imprint from Masters of Horror, which we have covered. So you have at least a little bit of an idea of what you're going to get yourself involved with. And that was one of the first movies when we started watching horror movies together. That was one of the first that you showed me. I think the first was Found. Oh, nice. I think the first was Found... And then um, Living Doll. Yeah, dude. I think Living Doll was the next one we watched. (laughs) Yeah, so you kind of get an idea of what I like. I know that there are certain films that you and my sister Ashley are more prone to watch. And there, of course, are some that I have that I probably won't let a lot of my family members know I have. (laughs) Let alone watch. So some of those are uh, my private stash. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's fun, man. I enjoy introducing films, and I know you're more, you know, accepting of some of the films that we like to review and just some of the stuff that we're into. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's fun. We finally get you on the show, and yeah, people finally get to hear your voice and know that you're actually a real person. Real person. I'm I'm still not sure you're a real person. (laughs) This is probably the time where we should level with with our listeners that you're a terrible choice for 
test your fright because we're 98.5 percent sure yeah. you're gonna make it through this movie no problem at all <laughs> this is actually more of a test of like using this setup to do this sequence we've done already some talks about how we're gonna do test your fright in the future and maybe standardize it a little bit more and stuff to truly make it a test whether we can gauge different people but so you're like our hardware test that's all right i'm good I'm good with being the hardware test. You're the hardware I'm test. Ready, I'm ready for the movie. Can I call it by name yet? Oh, I mean, it's going to be in the title of the, the episode. So oh, yeah, true. we're doing Ichi the Killer. So I'm ready to do Ichi the Killer. I've seen some of the more brutal films that I've seen would have to be Martyrs and Inside. <laughs> nice. Those are kind of two of the... Martyrs is pretty extreme. I... Just there's parts that kind of make you cringe, and I'm kind of expecting not the same movie, but kind of the same few moments that make me cringe, that make you squirm a little bit. Yeah. Although, you know, now learning how much you're into House of a Thousand Corpses, I have a feeling you're really going to fucking dig this movie. <laughs> yeah, I think so I rewatched well. <laughs> it yesterday. I forgot how much dark comedy is in this movie. There's a lot. Yeah, and that's okay. not really giving anything away, but there is some humor. Okay. And that's expected from Takashi Miike. And it's, it's brutal, it's gory, but it's fucking funny, too. Yeah, there awesome. are some really so, funny moments. This is going to be a fun watch, if nothing else. Excellent. Let me think. Before we go into it, maybe we should talk just a tiny bit about why this movie would be considered a draw why it's something big that we should go into probably through the cast and crew just a tiny bit oh no doubt well we've already alluded to the fact that we've covered takashi miike for tyler and i this is going to be our third venture with takashi we've done imprint from the masters of horror one of our first films actually we reviewed was visitor q way back when and today each of the killer be our third film and with some of those i mean he's directed over 100 films now to date some of the ones that I actually own, which we haven't reviewed it yet, which I think is kind of funny because most people's first foray in the Takashi Miike is usually audition, but we have yet to cover it yet, which is okay. We'll eventually get to it. I have yet to watch all of Audition. Oh, nice, dude. I've never seen it all. Oh, you're in for a ride. All right, so some of the films that I do have, I do have MPD Psycho, which is Multiple Personality Detective, which was a miniseries. It's really good. He was also the director of Gozu, which I highly recommend. The Japanese version of One Miss Call, a film I actually own. Izo, we've already mentioned Masters of Horror, The Imprint, a film that you own, Sukiyaki Western Django. I love Sukiyaki Western Django. Yeah. For more modern audiences, you might be familiar with 13 Assassins and Blade of the Immortal, which was his 100th film. Now give me my slight collecting due. I do have the Metal Case version. Yeah, dude, yeah. you got a sweet yeah. copy of it. <laughs> All right, so... Steelbook, son. <laughs> yeah, and we've mentioned, like I said, Takashi before, and he's known for doing, like, crime dramas, family shows, comedies, <laughs> I mean, all kinds of shit. Horror, of course. Yeah, I kind of think of him as being almost like the Japanese Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, he's kind of... Bob Rod will go do, like, Shark Boy Lava Girl 3D. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then do, like, Sin City. Exactly. So, I mean, he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades when it comes to film. Exactly. (laughs) You're going to get a little bit of it all, which is nice because I feel like with directors who tackle different subjects, it's going to be a person that's going to be a little bit more mainstream, so to speak, you know? So, moving on from our director, we do have a few writers. I'll mention Hideo Yamamoto, who is responsible for writing the manga. And then you have Sakichi Seto, who is... The screenplay writer on this, he's actually an actor in this film, very briefly, but 
He has written the screenplays for such things as One Ichi, which is actually the prequel, which came after this film. We've mentioned it because it was released by Unearth Films. He's also the writer and director of Tokyo Zombie. He's a writer of Gozu, Meatball Machine, Kudoko. He's an actor I mentioned on Ichi the Killer, Gozu, Kill Bills, Volume 1 and 2. He plays the actor Charlie Brown. Oh, no shit. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and I've already mentioned he's directed exactly several films. Who, you, who you're talking about. I know Charlie Brown is. Yeah, those. dude. So dope. there's going to be a lot of people, if you've seen Kill Bill, you probably recognize them, maybe by their American <laughs> names in well, terms yeah, of their character. I mean, Quentin has a cameo in Sukiyaki Western Jane. Exactly. So, so he's, he's no stranger. All right. Our cinematographer on this is Hideo Yamamoto, not the manga <laughs> writer, but this is actually a different gentleman altogether. But Same he. Name. Yeah, same name, which is funny. He was the cinematographer on films such as The Bird People in China, Blues Harp, which is a Takashi Miike film I haven't seen. He's also a cinematographer on the Japanese Ringu 2, Audition, Visitor Q, One Miss Call, and The Grudge. Our editor on this film is Yusushi Shimamura. He is responsible for editing films such as The Bird People in China, Blues Harp, Ringu 2, Audition, Visitor Q, Gozu, Izu, One Miss Call, Masters of Horror Imprint, the film Zebra Man, Dead or Alive 1 and 2, Tokyo Zombie, and Sukiyaki Western Django. So if you've seen a Takashi film, you've probably seen his editing work on this. Music, which is really cool, man. I'm glad we're going to mention these people. But it was done by Carrera Musication, also known as Bodomusa, or The Boredoms. And one of the people that was involved was Seiichi Yamamoto. He was a drummer a vocalist, and a guitarist for the band Boredoms. He was also in the band Mind Game and Odenaren Dairabu, which is like adrenaline. I can't remember what the second version is, but yeah. Anywho, moving on from that gentleman, we have Special Effects, which was done by OLM Digital. They were the visual effects team. Yuichi Matsui, which are special makeup effects artists. I had some stars by him. We'll kind of get to him later on, but he's done some really cool fucking special effect makeup for some really cool films. All right, our producers on this is Akiko Finetsu and Dei Miyazaki. Production companies, there's a shitload. You can look all that information up on the database. <laughs> our distributors were Media Blasters. They helped with the 2003 USA theatrical release, which was subtitled. I actually own the DVD version of that. There is a Prenum H Company Limited. They helped with the 2001 Japanese, and that's all media. Shudder actually released the 2015 video streaming version of this. Release dates were September 14, 2001. That was in Canada at the Toronto International Film Festival. November 13, 2001 in the UK at the London Film Festival. It got released pretty much all across Japan on December 22, 2001. And a day after your birthday, Jeff, on May 19, 2003, it got its premiere in New York, New York. The budget was an estimated $1.4 million. There's two taglines. One is, Love Really Hurts. And the second one, it's been a while since I wanted to despair, really. I don't like either of those. Yeah. <laughs> there's a different line that I probably would have used, but we'll wait until we watch the movie. <laughs> nice. There's a, there's a line from the movie that I think there would have been right in between those that would be even better. But Sweet. All right, now we do have a shit ton of people on the cast, and we can just mention a, a few of their film credits. So the big one that people will have seen, whether they realize they've seen them or not, is the main antagonist to this movie, Kakihara, is played by... Oh, Tadanobu see. Asano. Yep, Tadanobu yeah. Asano, who also is Hogan 
in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's one of the Warriors 3 that hangs out with Thor. Yeah, dude. Uh, most notably in the first film, because they kind of use less and less of the Warriors 3 as time went on. <laughs> You'll have Spoilers that. got killed in Infinity War. <laughs> now, there are a lot of these gentlemen in this film, him being one of them that was in Martin Scorsese's film Silence. But he's also been in such projects as Electric Dragon, 80,000 Volts, Bright Future, Zatoichi, Last Life in the Universe, Survive Style 5 Plus, The Taste of Tea. He was in the film Mongol as Genghis Khan. Yeah, actually, that's a pretty amazing movie. I remember you were mentioning I, I that. I followed the production and stuff for that because I'm kind of a Genghis Khan nerd. But nice, dude. It's really, he does an amazing job. So Sweet. He was also in the films Battleship <laughs> and 47 Ronin. Now, our titular titled character, Ichi, is played by Neo Omori. He was in such films as one Ichi, which was the prequel. He reprised his role in that. He was in the film Vibrator, Akami 48 Waterfalls, <laughs> Parasite 1 and 2. I know, I said that so casually. <laughs> no big deal. He voiced some characters in Yakuza 6, The Song of Life, and he's in the upcoming film, The Outsider, which I was like, oh, pretty cool. Alright, our next actor is Shinya Sukamoto. He plays Gigi. Now, this is a pretty well-known actor in Japan because he was in basically all the Tetsuo movies. He was also the director of those, if I'm not mistaken. He was also in films such as Tokyo Fist, Bullet Ballet, Dead or Alive 2, A Snake of June, and Shin Godzilla. The next extra I have is actually a female actor. She goes by Alien Sun, and she plays Karen. Now, she also goes by, it's like Polya Sun. I heard this is a nickname that was given to her by school children because she had a head that was disproportionate to her body when she was young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of funny. Wait, I'm stoned, so I'm just a step behind. Gigi fucking directed the Tetsuo movie? Yeah. That is the coolest. That makes this movie even better. Yeah, he That's is Tetsuo. So cool. <laughs> it's like, damn, dude. Yeah, there's some really cool credits here. Now, Karen, or excuse me, Alien Sun, she was in the film The Untold Story 2, which I've actually seen The Untold Story of Ricky O, which is really good. It's a fucked up Japanese film. She was also in the films In the Mood for Love, Island of Greed, Control, and she was also the 1994 Singapore Miss Universe representative. I was like, well, that's pretty awesome. That's cool. Yeah, and next person we have is another director. He goes by one word, and that's Sabu. He plays Kaneko in this film. Now, he's been in such films as Postman Blues, 800 Two-Lap Runners. He was actually in Sailor Moon, the 1993 television series. He voiced a character. It's like an executive of some television. Uh, he was also in Sinjuku Triad Society, and he was also in the Martin Scorsese film Silence. The next person I have, we probably don't have enough time to mention all of his credits because he's got a wealth of credits, but this is Susumu Tirahimi. He plays Suzuki in this film. So if you want a more extensive list of all the films that he's done, check out his wiki link or check out his movie database, and he's got a catalog of films. The next person I have is Shun Sagata. He plays Takayama. This person has a shit ton of credits. I'll mention a few. He was in Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. He was Boss Benta. He was in The Last Samurai. He's also in the films Izu. He was in several of the Yakuza video games as a voice character. He was in Tokyo Gore Police, which I highly recommend. It's a fun film. He was in Silence, Blade of the Immortal. He was in the 2017 Fuller House. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. <laughs> and he's, Out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And he's also in the upcoming film, The Outsider. And moving on from him, we have 
Jun Kunimura. He plays Funaki in this film. Now, he's been in such films as Audition. He is the main character in that film. He was in Kill Bills Volume 1 and 2 as Boss Tanaka. He was in Godzilla Final Wars, Why Don't You Play in Hell, The Wailing, Shin Godzilla, and Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, oh shit, he was. Oh, that's dope. I watched the Netflix. Or no, it's not Netflix, but it, I saw it when it was put on Netflix. Nice, dude. The live action Full Metal? Oh, yeah. That's dope. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next person I have is Turu Tezuka. He plays Fujiwara in this film. He was in Dead or Alive 2. Meatball Machine, which I've seen recently. That movie is fucking wild. Go check it out. I think it's still on Hulu. He was also in the film Ichi, and he was also in the film Shin Godzilla. The next person I have is Yushiki Arizono. He plays Nakazawa in this film. He was in Godzilla 2000 and Electric Dragon 80,000 Volts. The next person I have is Suzuki Matsuo. He plays Jiro and Saburu, which are two twins in this. He plays both of those characters. Yeah, which is really cool. But you might have seen him in Autaku's in Love, Shin Godzilla, and he's also a director as well. I should mention, too, that you're naming off all these people because they all have actually a part to play in this movie. Yeah, they certainly do. Unlike a lot of these other movies where we have giant fucking cast, but half of them get killed off. Even if they get killed off in this movie. They still have a pretty decent part. Like, they have to be in the movie because they play into the plot. So Completely agree. Next person we have, he's in it. Briefly, he has a very infamous scene. We've actually covered him because he was the father in the flashback sequences in Imprint, the Masters of Horror Imprint. That is played by Huka Kinoshita. He plays Sailor's Lover in this film. He was also in the films Isola, which I actually own. He was also in Shinobi. Heat Under Blade, and he was in Zebra Man 2, and a shit ton of Japanese television series. So if you're familiar with Japanese television series, you've probably seen him at some point. Alright, the next person I have is Maigoto. She plays Sailor in this film. Now she was in the film Peach, Pokemon, which was a 2009 television version. She was in Full Metal Alchemist, which was the 09 through 2010 television series. Next person I have is Moruka Moro. He plays the coffee shop manager in this, which we'll mention a little bit later on. But he was in the films Dolls, Infection, and in Shin Godzilla. Next person I have is a child actor in this film, but that is Horoshi Kobayashi. He plays Takeshi in this film. I have Sakichi Sato, which I mentioned was one of the writers on this, but he plays the man who was kicking Ichi in this film. I also have Kiyohiko Shibukawa. He plays Ryo Long. He's one of the helpers with Gigi in this film. I also have Satoshi Nizuma. He plays Inui in this film. He's also one of the Gigi helpers. And I also have Sechin Keiwa. He plays the pub owner, which he has a really cool <laughs> infamous scene as well. So that kind of rounds out the cast and crew. We kind of gave you a little bit of an idea. Should we give you some warnings going into this, or should we hold off on that? We're going to mix it up a little bit, and Jeff, right off, first thing when we're done, is going to give us the synopsis, which we'll just cut to right now through the magic of editing. (laughs) So you're going to get a nice, fresh synopsis from a fresh set of eyes. Yeah. From a fresh mouth. (laughs) Sassy mouth. (laughs) And probably the warnings afterwards, too, because we're just going to throw you into this. All right, sounds good. Now, I've already told you off mic, but at any time you want to stop the movie and just talk about something, we'll stop, flip these mics on, and we'll bullshit about it. So you guys might hear us after the movie, you might hear us during the movie, 
Well, we're, maybe try to give you a reference of where we're at in case we stop. Yeah, if we stop, we'll let you know where we're at. But we're not going to do this like a commentary. But we might stop partway through the movie and just talk about something right off the bat. So. Yeah, so cool. cool. So I guess without further ado, should we hop into our 87th review for Ichi the Killer? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do it. God, what's happening to me? Oh God, where am I? Why am I hearing these things? Oh God, what... What's going on? Oh, Jesus, come on. Oh my god, what's what's going on? Where where am I? Oh gee, why? Why? Come on. Somebody, somebody. Ah. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, somebody. Sir. Come on, somebody, somebody's there. Somebody's gotta be there. I will shock you. Come on. Sir. Come on, Sir, you must listen to me. Sir, I only have one question. How does that make you squeal? It wasn't scary at all. What? No. no. What? No, that was just like a brutal mob movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so congratulations, Jeff. Like we predicted, you made it through. Yeah. Yeah, easy. Easily made it through that yeah. one. Nice. Couple squeamish parts. Oh, yeah, so let's start off. Yeah. We can do editing magic later. Give a spoiler-free synopsis for this movie. As long or as short as you want to. Yeah, definitely. So, I was surprised. I wasn't expecting it's like a Japanese mob movie. Obviously, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know anything about this movie coming into it, which was fantastic. Some really brutal parts. Some parts of extreme brutality that'll kind of make you (laughs) crawl a little bit. Yeah, so if you had to give, like, warnings for somebody going into it that's never seen it. Like, trigger warnings. Oh, gosh. Trying without to give anything away. Yeah, just sort of, like, general. When he said brutal violence. Yeah, yeah, brutal torture violence. The gore is pretty gory, but in a way humorous. (laughs) It kind of, like, reminds me of Evil Dead 2 with the extreme amounts of blood that seem to go on forever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, torture violence, I guess some of that could make that was some of the more squeamish parts for me so if you can't handle that then don't watch those parts of the movie fast forward through them because the rest (laughs) of the movie is pretty darn good yeah also probably rape oh yeah that part too that's there too that part's pretty rough too also cum dripping (laughs) yeah i was wondering if that was cum dripping um (laughs) The rape scenes, it's rape, so obviously that's bad. <laughs> but um, it's not, like, prolonged and excessive and detailed, I felt like. Right, it's not, like, gratuitous. Yeah, exactly. You know what's happening, yeah. but it's not... You know what's happening, yeah. it's there, like, you can... It's obvious what's happening, but it's not disgustingly done or overdone where you have to turn away. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think that's part two that, you know, as far as warnings go, is that this is another film that's not very kind to the ladies in the movie at all. No, not at all. Yeah, so that might turn some of the audience members off too, like extreme violence towards women. Yeah, pretty much all of them, huh? Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> that's probably yeah a good way to kind of surmise some of the aspects of some warning labels. Yeah, and just kind of disturbing imagery. I think Kakihara's character... Oh, he can be in and of himself is a bit disturbing, especially 
I mean, the effects are a little dated now, but there's times where he's pretty menacing, so. Yeah, yeah totally definitely. Agree. Yeah, he's a bad dude. <laughs> Just straight from the get-go, he's a bad dude. <laughs> cool, we'll edit that to the beginning. Now let's talk about the fucking movie. Yeah, so what were some of the things, maybe initially, that stood out? Because this is your first time seeing it, so. Right. What was maybe the first thing that jumped out to you? Ichi was kind of a crybaby. Yeah. They say yeah. it throughout the movie. I I was expecting like this... I guess kind of like Kakihara through the movie. Like, I was expecting this monster. Like, it's Ichi the killer, so I was expecting him to be really brutal. And... Yeah, the name is very menacing to begin yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. But he's not. The movie, like I said earlier, I was surprised it to be a mob movie. I was expecting scary. Right. Not scary, just kind of very, very violent movie. It was a good movie. Kind of how during when you were introducing all the characters, they all did play a part in the movie. Like, everybody. And I liked how it all came together kind of at the end there. But yeah, it was a good movie. I liked it. It was violent. I liked the, like I said, the Evil Dead 2. Too much blood was humorous. I right. Thought there right. was a lot of humor in the movie. It made me laugh a lot, which probably says a lot about myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. We talk about things like that, too. It's like, you know, for a lot of the parts in the movie that are violent and graphic, there is some interspersed black or dark comedy yeah. in there that kind of pulls you back out, you yeah. know? So it's, yes, you're seeing something that's typically very horrific, right. but it's done in a way where it, it kind of dampens it, you yeah, know? exactly. Without it being too dampened, it's kind of a nice balance. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, so now, is it weird thinking of the fact that Kakihara is the one in this movie to make it to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, he's the one who's in the Marvel movies. Yeah, that's weird. That's weird. He says Hogan, right? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Out of any of the characters to be in this movie. He's a good actor. Yeah, he did a great good actor. Job. Just, But yeah, he's an awful, awful person in this movie. So <laughs> to put him in a Marvel film is pretty funny. I can make a bit of a confession, too. When I first seen this film way back when, when I first bought it, just looking at the title or the cover itself, is I had the initial impression that Kakihara that was, Ichi. was Ichi. Yeah. I That's had I that thought. impression, too. Watching the movie, I was thinking, like, at first I was like, okay, well, when are they going to figure out that this dude killed their boss? Like an inside job type thing. Because there's a big portion of the movie. We can go spoilers now, too. Yeah, so, so it's kind there's of There's a big portion of the movie in the beginning where we all know the boss is dead and no one else does. Right. And they're all acting like, oh, no, we're just going to find him in the next couple days. And But it's like the whole first third of the movie. We're like, no, no, motherfucker's dead. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, this dude's dead. Why don't they get that? He's the one who killed him. Why doesn't he? Like, why is he trying to start a gang war or something? Yeah, and that's, I think, the clever device in this, the way that it's written, is that Gigi, of all the people in the film, is the one who is scheming all this together. Like, he found an opportunity, it kind of, shit was starting to fall apart. Like a fucking chess master. Yeah, and that's what he was going to get. Right. So he started setting up the pieces where everything fell in his favor. Right. Which I thought was very clever. I kind of forgot about that before we decided to review this film. So going back through it, I was like, man, that was... That's fucking clever as shit. <laughs> Saying that, what did Gigi have to gain with all the gangs fighting each other and killing in that one gang, the Arjo gang? 
There was the Anjo, which was Anjo. the guy, the boss, yeah, who was killed. So, you know, that's that's a great question because it doesn't really spell it out, per se. Right. The impression that I get from watching the film several times now is he was set up to do jobs. And for whom, I'm not sure, it could be different syndicates, you know, what have you. And he was using Ichi as a person who could carry out those crimes. And okay. then they, you know, of course, they go in and clean up the mess afterward. But... You know, I'm not sure exactly what he fully had to gain other than the fact that he was wiping out Yakuza members and he just had the perfect person to do it for him. Right. Can I fill it in? Yeah. I know I've never read it, whereas I like I had read like Battle Royale and stuff, but I know some about the manga on which it's based. Gigi used to be a cop. Okay. So it's like him finally getting to wipe all these gangs out like he wanted to back when he was on the force. Gotcha. gotcha. Uh, the other thing is... He's actually like 30 and had plastic surgery to look older. Gotcha. You know, looking at the makeup in this film, you can kind of see it around the eyes and the forehead where that's where the age is really shown in his character. Yeah. Because I don't believe he was very old at all, you know, during the film. Yeah, he didn't look old. So when they kept calling him old Old man, yeah, he's not that old. So that's what he was in it for. He's like, no, I just. So it's his way of taking revenge. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. He was Jack too. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say. So, what was your favorite? I, I feel like this was a movie with a lot of twists, especially once you get into like the last part of the second act and the third act. What was your favorite twist from the movie? Gigi being jacked, or Gigi being jacked was good. Twist that girl trying to play a trick on him. Yeah, and then he, she got fucked and up. And then she got <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> that was bad. That was funny. Twist. I don't really know as far as twist goes. Because I remember the first time through learning that he didn't get bullied. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess the hypnotized part, like he was under the Gigi's spell to do all this killing for him. That was a big twist that I was like, oh, you're a dirty bastard. (laughs) 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 So mean to do. But at the same time, like he wasn't. So yeah... Ichi was kind of a crybaby, but he was also a bad person himself. He was like the perfect instrument or perfect tool for Gigi's plan, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense too. You know, it's when you discover that Ichi killed his parents and he had that mental right. breakdown, and Gigi found that opening to where he can influence him, tell him a different story, or he had an end because he said that Ichi felt like he was bullied, so he just built on that story. Yeah. It manifested into like a rape fantasy. Right. <laughs> yeah. And he was hypnotizing other people to play out that. Yeah, I was wondering if all that of them so were good. under the hypnotic spell. I think, I mean, even the ones who weren't under the spell were getting played by him. Oh, no doubt. Right. One of the very last scenes with him when he's standing over Kakihara's body after all that shit goes down, which we should probably talk about because that's a weird yeah, scene too. Yeah, wild. That initial like look of joy... When he realizes that Ichi wasn't the one to kill him, I took that as him being like, I did it, my schemes came together so well that I got him to off himself. And then the look fades as he realizes he ruined his perfect instrument. And then he realizes that it's time to shape a new one and starts thinking about Takeshi. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, because he has the perfect scenario where Ichi killed his dad. Right the kid has him. yeah the kid is like raging yeah, so yeah. yeah he's the next vessel he could yeah. be the perfect vessel for that yeah. which it's kind of a unique twist again you know where 
I think the first time I watched it, I didn't completely understand the ending, the way that Kakaharu puts the, the needles in his ear, yeah. and then it just kind of completely goes silent. And I'm like, is this really happening right now? What's going on? And, you know, all this shit gets carried out, and you learn later on the kid gets older, and somebody's hanging from a tree. <laughs> You're like, wow, that's just, this is a bizarre ending. So do you think Gigi really is hanging there at the end, or do you think that's part of Takeshi's conditioning? You know, that's a good point. I think maybe some of the giveaways is the color scheme in this film. I felt like in the blues, some of that stuff was maybe imagined than actually being reality. So I don't know. I think it's kind of a telling thing, too, seeing Kakahara at the end open his mouth like that, too, because I'm, I'm wondering how much of that is in somebody else's mind, or maybe that's his way of a release of sorts. You know, I don't know. So Kakahara jumped. He didn't get killed. Yeah, yeah he didn't get so killed. When he starts to put the needles into his eardrums, when it cuts back out the first time and you think all that shit goes down with Ichi, right. you'll notice like he's not bleeding from the ears or anything. I didn't notice that. And then that happens, and, you know, he fucking falls off. Right. I think in the, the fight goes down a little bit different in the manga. Like, I think Ichi does, like, beat the shit out of him, but it kind of ends the same way. Right. Where Kakihara is finally pushed to the point where he's actually feeling pain like a normal person. Like, all the rest of the time, because of how intense of a sadomasochist he oh, is. Oh, yeah evenly i mean that's the only trait to his entire character is he's equal parts sadist and masochist and has obviously yeah there's a balance there for him yeah (laughs) he's finally been pushed past the point that he can bear and is feeling pain like normal and it's causing him to hallucinate i was thinking that too he's hallucinating all that shit and so he hallucinates and jumps off and that's why like takeshi's still alive at the end that's when he was in his hallucination that yep. Ichi killed him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, where in, as a reality, that kid's still kicking the shit out of Ichi if they're crying. Also right. in the manga, I believe they make it really clear that Gigi's still alive at the yeah, end. But that's cool. The I movie just think it's is a bit yeah. different and I think causes some of, you to have some. Questions. Yeah, some of the stuff too, knowing Takashi and the way he likes to end films and stuff, he always leaves it with you kind of wondering or guessing or maybe like exploring a little bit beyond the film. Yeah, yeah. so I kind of like that to it. Some of that reminded me a little bit of watching Masters of Horror, the imprint episode. Like, There's stuff that goes beyond the end of the film, which is really neat. But I really enjoy this. Yeah, it's kind of a long film, but there's so much going on. One thing I do like a lot is the music, too. I was going to ask you about that because I know you play music. And it's one of those things in film where it can be a make or break. And I feel like the soundtrack on this is fucking awesome. It really sets up scenes. Yeah, there were a couple parts where I noticed the music, and it definitely emphasized the scene. But honestly, it didn't like stand out to me where I was noticing it very often. Right. The few right. times that I did notice it, it was like, oh shit! Like it really made the scene that much better. But um, throughout the movie, to be honest, I I wasn't paying too much attention to it. Maybe like a second or third watch, I notice it more. Oh, that's an honest opinion. I tend, to, <laughs> yeah. I tend to mostly notice it when it gets really jazzy. Yeah. Because <laughs> it plays against what's going on on the screen. Yeah. So, weirdly, most of the time it enhances it. It never takes away from it, but sometimes it's an odd juxtaposition. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree entirely. I think had it been 
the wrong music, it would have stood out and been like, you notice, like you said, the soundtrack can really make or break a movie. No, I can totally pull you out or it can, you know, and set so the scenes it never, or the mood. At no point was the music a thought on my mind, like, why the fuck are they doing this? Yeah. There were times, though, where it caught me and I was like, oh, fuck, and had me sit forward in my seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which we talked about this film using <laughs> hypnotism. It's like some of the music for me, I think the reason why it stands out more now is on the title screen on this DVD. You get those drums and that you know, kind oh, of like yeah, this yeah. real. So if you keep that on at night, <laughs> you won't get woken up to that shit on a loop. <laughs> Danny so. keeps us on at night. Yeah, it's on a loop. <laughs> nice. Mostly well, the cum dripping off the leaf. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I know you're kind of pushed for time, but. Definitely glad that you came over, got to experience, you know, another Takashi Miike film. Yeah. You definitely made it through our <laughs> Test Your Fright. So. Yeah. Right. Now, I, I don't expect this to immediately, like, jump in your top ten or something, but how would you rank this movie being done and through it all? The weirdness, the funniness. Right. The gore. The super gore. <laughs> the tempura. <laughs> I would rank it if you're into whether it be horror movies or, you know, some violent movies it's a must watch it's a good movie i would watch it again as far as putting a number on it yeah i know it's I kind of a i can't put you do on. that but yeah definitely i'd watch it again and anybody that likes extreme movies you got to see it if you haven't sweet one yeah i'd agree with that yeah yeah totally and you know one thing too i think this might be a good way for people who don't know about takashi Miike. maybe this could be a, a formal introduction i feel yeah. like this is a better introduction than like i said i haven't seen all of audition but i feel oh, like that this movie is, a better, is super dark yeah i feel like this is a better introduction to his work than audition would be yeah, yeah. i like the mix of violence and gore and humor yeah like i said there's it's it has a, a little bit of all from different genres yeah I'd say if you're a Quentin Tarantino fan, yeah. check this movie out. Yeah, I'd say definitely. it has a lot in common, especially like something like Pulp Fiction. Yeah, definitely. Well, cool, man. I'm glad that you stuck around, finally got you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having you know, me, We'll guys. definitely have you back on. Yeah. You know, we'll find a movie, of course, to get to talk about. And, you know, yeah. we'll have fun we'll again. Bring you, yeah, we'll bring you on for a regular episode sometime and not just have you be our fucking... Guinea pig. Or guinea pig. <laughs> our American guinea pig. <laughs> So we're wrapping this up, right? Cool. So in order to keep listening to us, please hit subscribe. If you're on like iTunes, it'd be awesome if you'd like drop us a rating and shit. You can always go to our website, www.friedsworms.com. There's links at the top of other ways to listen to us in case you like, I don't know, maybe you ran into us on SoundCloud, but you like listening to your podcast on Stitcher, something like that. All the links are at the top. Stream the latest episode down at the bottom. In between, you have links to our Instagram, Friedsworms Podcast. Our Twitter, at Fried Squirms, or Facebook, Fried Squirms. And you can always email us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or hit the contact on our website. Yeah, we still like listening and hearing from you. So if you want to drop us an email just to say hi, if you want to recommend some films, if you have suggestions, feel free to hit us up. Yeah, I think that's it. For this week, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. I'm Jeff. Fried Squirms. Out. Nice. High fives. Awesome, dude. Yes. Yeah.